WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 177, all about the Silmarillion of the Third Age and the Rings of Power, being the 177th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and right now I'm reading The Silmarillion so you don't have to. Today I'm joined by sci-fi and fantasy content creator, Critter XD. Welcome! Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And one of your, uh, another Critter just joined the screen, by the way. I always have to point out when pets show up in, in the background, so. Yeah, Agni <laughs> says hi. An orange flower fluffy cat that some of the people that are familiar with my content are familiar with. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh my gosh. If I wasn't allergic to cats, um, (laughs) I would actually no. I would want a black cat first, but an orange cat would be my next choice. Anyway, enough about cats. (laughs) Um, Why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about your, I I know that um, Wheel of Time is really your bread and butter, Mm -hmm. but what's your background slash experience like with Lord of the Rings? How did you first get introduced to it? All that jazz. Sure. So actually, um, even though Wheel of Time is kind of my bread and butter, the thing that got me into fantasy in the first place was The Hobbit. So mm-hmm. I, I've told the story before, but obviously not on this podcast because it's my first time. But my mom is a teacher, and so she was off in the summers, and one of the activities that she would have us do would be to go to the library. And so I was a huge reader, and so I was just, you know, I tried mystery books, I tried all kinds of books, and one day I was walking down one of the aisles, and I saw a red dragon on a cover of a book, and I was like, oh man, okay, this, this hat, like... I'm interested. So I got it. Turns out it was The Hobbit. And I loved it. And then after I read The Hobbit, I somehow found out that, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien had more books. Like, what? Shocking revelation. (laughs) And so then I read the trilogy. Um, And then when the movies came out, I was it was it was all over for me. They've been my favorite movies since they came out. And uh, and they've got insane nostalgia factor for me and i just i i adore the lord of the rings and tolkien for all of the like just awesome vibes that i've gotten from it since i was like 10 years old that's awesome and when i when i reached out to you i was like do you by any chance have any uh, any experience with the silmarillion have you read it so what what made you decide to to take the plunge Uh, so I know some people might like really dislike to hear this, but whenever I found out that the Rings of Power was going to come out, I was getting, um, some spicy comments. Well, spicy is their own. I was getting some comments on my videos where I was talking about how I was excited about the Rings of Power that Mm -hmm. I wasn't a real fan. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm sure you've experienced that. Yes. You're not a real fan. And so I was like, you know what, bet, like if, if me not knowing the Silmarillion is the thing between me being a real fan and not a real fan. And just to be yeah. clear, I don't subscribe to that. Like, yes, anybody it's can a be a real fan. stupid notion. So dumb. Because as as I have experienced and as I'm sure you experienced, the Silmarillion is one of the hardest 
uh, books yeah. to read. <laughs> yes. So like if that it's a completely like inaccessible form of fandom. So mm-hmm. if that's the thing setting people apart from being a real fan, then like fine, I'm not a real <laughs> fan. You know, like <laughs> you can think that, but so I would just basically to shut up the haters. I was like, fine. Now I read audiobooks like I didn't back in the day. And so maybe that is how I'm going to finally finish this book because I had tried. So I, I got it on audiobook and I read it. And some parts, I won't lie, I, I did glaze over occasionally. Like I'm not a battles girly. And so sometimes when that like certain fights were happening, I would just kind of like. I mean, Tolkien also <laughs> is not a battles girly. He, he also <laughs> glazes over. True. things <laughs> it's true um so i made it through though there were some parts that i really really loved in the silmarillion there were some parts that i could take or leave but overall i finished and i'm really really glad that i did that's amazing that's yeah that's really awesome and then i dragged you back to it to to read it again and i listeners i did make her read the entire thing no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> not quite no not quite. that that would be insane if i if that was a requirement for each of my guests that like hey you have to read everything that came before the part that we're discussing. That yeah. would just be nuts. This part especially. Um, espe- especially because we're at the end right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. So we are discussing the the first half. Again, I'm, sp- I'm splitting these up just to make them more digestible. Um, this is of the rings of pa- Oh, oh, no, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> I thought it was of the third age and the rings of power. It's of the rings of power and the third age. Dang it. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> you get the point. Yeah. Um, and then it's subtitled, In Which These Tales Come to Their End. And I was like, yay. <laughs> Here we are. We're we almost it. done. <laughs> um, so we're kind of... But now we're backtracking. So we just saw the fall of Numenor and everything last week and in the previous section. But we're going to jump back a bit further to the end of the the giant... What what do they call it? It's like Dagor, Dagoreth or something. It's the giant war that they had where they finally defeated Melkor. He got shoved into a void somewhere. The Mm -hmm. Silmarils were lost to you know, humanity, lots of fun stuff, Mm -hmm. lots of death. Amazing. And there's a moment where Sauron, who, reminder for everyone, in the first age, I don't even know, were we in the second age during all of this? I needed to look that up, whatever. Um, (laughs) Previously, Sauron was Melkor's right-hand man. He was... Um, his, you know, his best soldier, his advisor, everything. Melkor's gone, and Sauron has a chance to repent. And at first, it kind of seems like he might. Um, people are, are thinking that he has realized that, oh, all of this was kind of not great of me. Um, my bad. But then the... Uh, it's it's the messenger of Manwe, Aonwe, who says, well, I'm not the one who can say whether or not you're good to go. Uh, that's up to Manwe, so you need to go talk to him. And Sauron's like, I, but I think he's going to yell at me if I go, so I'm not. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, hard pass. <laughs> yes. 
Sauron was ashamed and he was unwilling to return in humiliation and to receive from the Valar a sentence. It might be of long servitude in proof of his good faith. For under Morgoth, his power had been great. So he's like, I had a pretty good thing going under Morgoth. I'm not going to throw that out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, Bye. I'll just go, you know, (laughs) sulk in the darkness for for a while. Um, Then... The elves, you know, everything is being reconstructed because uh, Beleriand was essentially ruined in this war. Um, So they're rebuilding their lives uh, and we'll be glad to know. I'm like so done with the elves by this point, like (laughs) God's favorite child, quite literally. The first. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the firstborns. Um, And so, yeah, so they, they... create a harbor called the Grey Havens. I'm sure we're all Lord of the Rings people. We're we're familiar with that. That's where Frodo leaves at the end of Return of the King. Um, And they that is where the Eldar ever and anon set sail, fleeing from the darkness of the days of Earth. For by the mercy of the Valar, the firstborn could still follow the straight road and return, if they would, to their kindred in Erisea and Valinor beyond the encircling sea. So they get a happy ending. Everyone else, screw you. <laughs> it kind of describes, I guess, what I would call a migration of... What's up with the the survivors of this war? Elves are going from, you know, because they were all in Beleriand. And so it's saying, oh, the the Teleri, who were survivors of Doriath and, and Osiriand. That's right, because I think Doriath was taken down and then they fled and then they all have to flee again because everything is ruined. <laughs> There's so many names in life. the Silmarillion. It is so funny. <laughs> Those are the only like like I remember those and I know what those are because I I think only out of pure repetition Mm -hmm, and because mm -hmm. it's more recent in my brain. Um, Don't you worry. We will get to a point in this section where I (laughs) things like are supposed to sound familiar and I'm like, I don't know. I could be reading those words for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like I know that it is not the first time that like it, it was mentioned and dropped in other works that I have already read <laughs> and promptly forgotten. Um, but yeah, everyone's just kind of rebuilding their lives and things are, are doing okay. Um, as far as, uh, you know, as okay as you can be mm-hmm. when there's been a giant war that's completely like destroyed your world. Right. Things are sort of looking up. <laughs> yeah, from a war yeah. at least you know comparatively <laughs> they're they're at least able to like catch their breath a bit mm-hmm. oh i do want to uh mention though they they do call out that where is it um i think they're talking about that's right they're talking about eregion which mm-hmm. uh viewers of rings of power we we know what eregion is um because mm-hmm. we saw a lot of the story taking place there it mentions that eregion was built but that it was not built um to like the same strength and likeness of Kaza Doom. And I love that they gave that credit to the dwarves mm-hmm. in, in this little set, even though it's like not that much, but it, it, it's nice to that they're acknowledging, yeah, the dwarves are really great craftsmen. Kaza Doom is where it's at. 
And, you know, we did our thing with Oregion. It works for us. And that's what matters. But Kaza Doom, they definitely outdid themselves there. For sure. Yeah. I love a couple of the things they say about the dwarves in this section to me, like, kind of crack me up. Because at times they'll, like, give them props. And then at other times they're like, uh, but they're still yeah. kind of greedy. <laughs> I, I'm constantly reminded that the Silmarillion is from the perspective of the elves yeah because it, it definitely comes off as like a very biased <laughs> history yep it does <laughs> yeah remember how i said things are going great mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. sauron is here to deal with that he's been growing in power obviously uh he learns to kind of you know cons- to, to to work his dark crafts in more creative ways um and and really hone in on those like cunning and craftiness skills so he know he's aware that the elves are he's he's giving them props. He's like they're very smart, they're very powerful. They have all this knowledge. They've created all of these weapons and they have all these skills like I I need to go amongst them mm-hmm. and you know, undermine them somehow or steal some knowledge or, or something from them. He's like that's where it's at. Um So he went far and wide among them, and his hue was still that of and his hue was still that of one both fair and wise. So he's putting on this guys, the Anatar guys, right? That's yeah, I love that name. Like it's a good name. He (laughs) becomes Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, Mm -hmm. and this is something that a lot of people were dropping and referencing during Rings of Power, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like I'm like it was the and I think I think at one point I did acknowledge I was like okay I'm 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 just gonna ask who's An- who is that because everyone's talking about this guy like like I know who it is and someone said oh it's just Sauron but in one of his like early disguises and I was like okay that makes sense it's sexy Sauron that's that's yes. what we think of him as yeah actually in rings of power there was one time where he's he said something like think of it as a gift and i feel like all you know like me having just read the silmarillion i was like oh think of it as a gift yeah i see what you're doing there um yes (laughs) they definitely it's the you know he's looking fair and wise i think they definitely although He's definitely, in the show, he was definitely more ruggedly handsome, mm-hmm. more that Aragorn mm-hmm. type. Anyway, yeah, he, he becomes Anatar, the Lord of the Gifts. Worth mentioning, though, that, again, this is all the Silmarillion that the show does not have rights to, so there are differences. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the differences that a lot of people were bringing up after the finale, um, because in this text, it says that Sauron does not go to Lindon and he does not deceive Gilgalad and Elrond. Both were like, nah, we don't we don't trust you. Something feels off. <laughs> this is sus. Very, very I'm not sus. Sh- yeah. They're like, I'm not sure about this. Um, so no, you can't come hang out with us. So that's like a, a I think a pretty big difference between when everyone is screaming about, but it's not canon. That's like a pretty big difference from the show. I guess so, to me, like similar things happened with the Wheel of Time show where it was like, okay, if you're looking fundamentally, it, it looks somewhat different, right? Gilgalad and Elrond don't trust him. But when you think about how it all played out in the show, like Elrond almost immediately learned not to trust him, right? It was not long before Elrond got the deets or whatever and was just like, yeah. oh gosh, what, you know, what's going on? Um, so I feel like they got to the same place. It just 
they just took a different route. Different, right? pa- yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of like what a lot of what I found, like sh- uh, book to show adaptations end up doing. It's like you might take a different path, that's but you're, true. you're going yeah. for the same. You're, you know, he's a human, for example, rather than like pretending to be an elf, which I feel like wasn't Anatar supposed to be elf, elfy kind of. Um, yeah, that that's definitely one of the other differences is that I think he was supposed. I think his, this like disguise that he's using to fool people. I think he's supposed to be more like a Legolas type, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, than uh, an Aragorn type. And so right. in the show, he's more Aragorn and. In the Silmarillion, I think Anatar is supposed to be more like a fair-looking, beautiful mm-hmm. elf yeah. rather than like ruggedly handsome. Mm-hmm. So different, but yeah, we end up in the same place in the end. Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. So he is Anatar now, and he is like, wow. There's a lot to be gained here from. It says a lot to gain from his friendship. So he is like passing on knowledge to them. Again, like this craftiness that he has. But of course, he's learning things about them as well. Um, One of the it's so random um, because they just kind of gloss over the fact that they make the rings of power. I know. Right. It's just like, oh, (laughs) oh, I guess that happened. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like learning more and working with the smiths. And eventually it just says in those days, the smiths of Austin Edhill. I don't know where that is. I'm assuming it's something <laughs> in Oregon or Lindon or whatever. In those days, but in those days, the smiths surpassed, uh, surpassed all that they had contrived before. And they took thought and made and they made the rings of power. But Sauron guided their labors and he was aware of all that they did. For his desire was to set a bond upon the elves and to bring them under his vigilance. So that's kind of it. It just says Mm -hmm. (laughs) they took thought this like knowledge that they have learned from Sauron. Mm. And then they made the rings of power. And that's... And that's that. That's that on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's very confusing. Yeah. Um, And I was a little disappointed because I was also disappointed in the show's finale because I was like, I feel like we really rushed the whole making of the rings of power thing. Like, that's the name of the show. (laughs) We didn't really get to... We didn't really start talking about it until, like, the last 20 minutes of the finale. Mm -hmm. Um, I would really love to, like, see more of that. But it turns out there's not... There's not more. Much? <laughs> yeah. Um, it just says, Now the elves made many rings, but secretly Sauron made one ring to rule all the others. And so, again, just like he made the one ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Found it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was also kind of like, it's also a bit confusing because I think it mentions, see, like it, it kind of glosses over things because, so I think all of the, el- the elves made all of the rings of power is that what it's implying by now yeah. the elves made many rings yeah i think so that's that's something i didn't realize before the second read <laughs> yeah and it's very confusing to me because i really and i i hope this is a change that they'll make in the show um 
I really thought with the dwarves like background in mining and everything that they would make their own rings of power. But apparently the elves made the rings of power for them and gave them to them. That's 100% what I was expecting. Just once again, the elves being, although, you know, if this is from the perspective of the elves, maybe it's just them taking credit when they shouldn't have. Who knows? That's true. Yeah, I have no no clue. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Especially like when it comes to the dwarves, it's very difficult to see like what like that those were some like really interesting dynamics that I liked watching in the show was like some of the the elves doing stuff with the dwarves and like they they I know the mithril thing is kind of all over the place but it didn't sit right with me that they like stole the mithril that one little ore mm-hmm. and then the dwarves were like no you can't have any and then they're like that's fine we'll use this one ore <laughs> and we'll make the rings of power and we'll be better than you and uh, yeah just yeah. lots of like interesting dynamics with the dwarves going going on yeah i did i liked a lot of the dwarf scenes the best but the whole the mithril thing was yeah kind of hilarious what's going on yeah definitely like gave me a bigger appreciation for the dwarves and so now reading this i'm like really trying i'm like looking for those signs of like you know giving giving the dwarves credit where credit is due and like praising their uh their work and their skills um and supposedly the, they they did not make their own rings and so that's very sad for me to hear uh, um I'm sure someone will tell me I completely read all that wrong or this is not the full version of the story oh, and I I'm have sure. to go read something else <laughs> I think I think you're reading it right though that's the vibe I okay. got too was that the elves yeah. made them all which was not what I expected Sauron um secretly I was also in this chapter was, you know, Kate Blanchett's ethereal voice in the mm-hmm. prologue of Fellowship of the Ring was just in the back of my head the whole time I was reading this. And when she goes, but all of them were deceived mm-hmm. um, because Sauron. Yes. Like I said, Sauron secretly made the one ring to rule all the others and their power was bound up with it to be subject wholly to it and to last only so long as it too should last. Um, And then it also says, while he wore the one ring, he could perceive all the things that were done by means of the lesser rings, and he could see and govern the very thoughts of those that wore them. So that's something that kind of clarifies. I remember when I was reading Lord of the Rings, I was like, so what does the ring do? (laughs) Like, what exactly does it do besides make you invisible? Um, (laughs) Right. and, And even that has like a lot of questions because... In the prologue, Sauron is wearing the ring, but he's not invisible. And then people are like, well, maybe he's invisible inside his armor. Um, <laughs> hey, maybe. <laughs> oh, uh, it's ridiculous. So, so I think it mentions that one of the rings are, I think it's maybe the men's ring, allows them to like run around without being like perceived by others or something. So if the one ring is giving you the power of all of them, it would make sense that like, that's the one that they can use. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Although I, um, I, I was kind of confused by this part too, because in the in the chapter, it's it says like Celebrimbor made the three like three rings for the elves that uh, weren't under Sauron's influence. Right? It said something like he made them independently. Yeah. But then right after that, it says, "But they're still subject to the One Ring's power." And I was like. But so what's the significance of him making them independently then? Like, I don't, 
I don't know. <laughs> like it was kind of yeah. it was kind of bizarre to me. Yeah. So so here here's some of the background on the Elven Rings. We know there are three of them. Um, I love making the joke of um, so they're they're called Narya, Nenya, and Vilya. I love making the joke of like, what's that, Nenya? Nenya what? Nenya business? <laughs> <laughs> okay, like nice. I'm love it. freaking you know ten years old or whatever. <laughs> so we have the three Elven Rings, and of all the Elven Rings, Sauron most desire and. Of all, it's so hard when there's not punctuation. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And of all, the elven rings Sauron most desired to possess them. For those who had them in their keeping could ward off the decays of time and postpone the weariness of the world. Which, side note, can't elves do that anyway? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Aren't elves like that anyway? Well, that this to me kind of like, again, I, we keep talking about rings of power and I don't know how much you want to talk about that. But it kind I of. I always say, I always say, I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk that much about it. But I think it's like, it's so fresh in all of our heads. Yeah. It's like, this is, I mean, this chap, this section is literally called Of the Rings of Power. We're going right. to talk okay, about yeah. the show. So like, for me, this, this kind of like pinged me to the like the fact that the elves were like you know waning or like their 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 magic or life powers or whatever they were like growing dim whatever the heck that was supposed to be to me it's like oh but if they have these three rings they can push away the you know the darkness of the world whatever like yeah they can stave off death for another million years like they've already done i'm like maybe it's just your time (laughs) maybe it's just time to die you know, yeah, that's that's something. It's just a bu- bunch of vampires. I started. Over here. I started. Uh, it's just so funny because, like, I know when I first started reading Lord of the Rings, I was so intrigued by the elves, and I was like, these guys are the coolest. So cool. Like, I want like, oh, if I was a character in Lord of the Rings, I think I'd want to be an elf. But then the more I learn about them, I'm like, nah, screw these guys. <laughs> they're like, they're they're like colonizers there mm, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. they have a very like biased history it's the exact thing of like who who writes history the winners mm-hmm. and so you don't hear about you know like the dwarves for example so i'll be a myar that'll be what i choose <laughs> oh, okay there you go i, think I, I now- used to say elf too but now i'm like mm, i'm gonna upgrade like we're gonna I we're gonna take that nowadays upgrade. nowadays i think the safe choice is just a hobbit i'm just oh well Yes. I mean. And not one of them that goes on an adventure. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Yeah, the Shire is uh it's pretty great. Looks pretty great to me. Yeah, I think I'll stay there mm-hmm. and just not leave. <laughs> which is no which isn't much different as someone who works remote full time mm-hmm. is not much different than my regular life. So yeah. yeah, I was actually uh Frodo for Halloween and I can also attest to their clothes. Very comfortable. <laughs> you know, mm, yes. loose and and they're barefoot all the time. Everybody yeah. loves that. Like, yeah. Hobbits, they're onto something. Yeah. Um we're oh that's right. We we're trying to figure out like what's going on. Yeah, it says, but Sauron could not discover them, for they were given into the hands of the wise, who concealed them and never again used them openly while Sauron kept the ruling ring. So I think what happened was that um they so the elves made all of the rings. Sauron knew that this was happening, so he made the one ring. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's when in the prologue, you know, she Galadriel says, but all of them were deceived. And that's when he makes the one ring. But after he makes it, the elves are 
no longer deceived. They're like, we we can sense, we know what's going on. We know that there's this greater power out there. So we're not going to use our rings anymore because we don't want to risk him getting his hands on them. And as long as we're not using them, then we that then they're safe. Using I think them is openly, whatever that yeah. means. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't know. <laughs> hey. I don't know. It's a lot of semantics. Mysteries that... are fun. What can yes. I say? <laughs> <laughs> um and um yeah. I, I I totally like glossed over like Celebrimbor and everything, but yeah, just worth mentioning. Yeah. Celebrimbor <laughs> is the uh reminder for everyone. He is the son of Kurufin, who it, it was always like Kurufin and Keligorm who were like a a duo together, and remember they are the worst. Uh, they are the ones who in Baron and Luthien go like chasing after Luthien. And I think, yeah, they kidnap her. Mm. Also, like another testament to their like lack of character. Who are the hound was one of their dogs. And he like immediately ditched them nice. when he was like, when he was like, yeah, they're not, I don't think they're good. I don't think my owner is a good person. Let me go. Hashtag let team me go who are. Do something else. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Calabrimbor, however, it says, was estranged from his father. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool then. Better dude. <laughs> as long as you don't have any relationship with your terrible father, that's cool to me. So then Sauron starts going to war. It says, from that time, war never ceased between Sauron and the elves. And Eregion was laid waste. Spoiler alert for Rings of Power! <laughs> Celebrimbor slain and the doors of Moria were shut. Um, again, like with the elves, I just noticed though, again with like the elves talking about the dwarves, it says the war n- never ceased between Sauron and the elves, but then it says the doors of Moria were shut. So clearly like they were also, like the dwarves were also, you know, on some kind of the, the battle front. I mean, you unless know. they were like hiding. Yeah, or they go into hiding or something. But I feel like something would have had to happen with the dwarves that they're like, we're closing up shop. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you in, you know, centuries when <laughs> uh, a hobbit knocks a bucket down a well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Huge battle. Everything going on. This is, again, where I get confused. So I think, yeah, it says, Sar- okay. Sauron gathered into his hands all the remaining rings of power, and he dealt them out to the other peoples of Middle-earth, hoping thus to bring under his sway all those that desired secret power beyond the measure of their kind. Seven men he... Seven men. (laughs) Seven rings he gave to the dwarves, and to the men he gave nine. Um... So again, very confusing. So the elves made a whole bunch of rings of power and then they were just going to hoard them. Um, And then they decided to just keep three and Sauron got all but three of them. And then he gave the dwarves seven of them. And then later it mentions that uh, like Sauron later recovered some of that. So I'm like, Sauron, why would you give them the rings only to want to take them back? I'm very confused because... Yeah, uh, it, it's just he's just like kind of like really speeding through this what seems to be a very crucial part of this history, and yet in a minute he will talk about a tree for an, a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, I I think the 
like what I found interesting about the Sauron like dealing out the rings to the dwarves and the men, other than obviously like the ring rates becoming a thing. But the when he mentions the dwarves, it's like it says, you know, they're not really susceptible to evil. <laughs> so that wasn't a problem. But they were worried about they they were consumed with, you know, wealth. Um, so I love how the elves or who are the narrator is just like, yeah, you know, good for the dwarves, but also like they still they suck. They were greedy as yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it gives and it takes away for the poor dwarves. It also, yeah, it says the dwarves indeed proved tough and hard to tame. That's like a very, uh, it, that's like a very negative way of saying like, they resisted <laughs> being ruled by a dark overlord. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a really, like, that's what you say about like a wild animal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so fascinating the way that they, the dwarves are treated in the Silver <laughs> Like, I really have come around on the dwarves. They weren't necessarily, like, my favorite group, but, like, learning more about them through the elves' point of view and seeing, like, how much they've gotten the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? You guys are great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the very beginning of this chapter, too, it says, like, you know, this is a time where elves and dwarves got along. And then and then that was like pretty much it for the positive stuff about the dwarves. Other than Khazad-dum, obviously. The Khazad-dum shout out. I'm confused by that too, because it said that, you know, they started like, you know, they, they had a pretty good friendship going on because um, Oregion, I guess, or London was near Khazad-dum or mm-hmm. I don't know, they had like a pathway or something that connected. The, so like they, they were forging these relationships with the dwarves, you know, between the elves and the dwarves. And so I am like, but then how did we get to the point in Lord of the Rings where there's this big feud that, you know, we see between Gimli and the elves you know um and and like because i i was like oh a a couple you know a couple chapters ago the whole thing happened where the dwarves snuck into they like forced their way into doriath and killed the king and stole one of the silmarils Mm. and i was like oh that's why they have beef but now they seem to be okay with each other again and then we get to not being okay with each other again later i don't know isn't there something in the Hobbit? It's a like, lot. don't the elves come to help the dwarves and then they just leave? Yeah, it's it, it's very confusing. There's a whole part where they go into, um, there's a chapter where they are they they stay in Rivendell and there's no sense of like the dwarves were uncomfortable being around the elves and the elves were shooting you know giving them a side eye and all this like they had a merry old time in Rivendell and had no problem except they were like hey. Your singing is keeping us awake. (laughs) And that was it. Yeah. Interesting dynamics. It is. Yeah. It's got its ups and its downs. Let's just put it that way. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So the dwarves, they were given seven rings um, and they're not turning evil, but they used their rings only for the getting of wealth. But wrath and an overmastering greed of gold were kindled in their hearts, of which evil enough after came to the profit of Sauron. Also, I think like in that statement, we can determine that that's, you know, the dwarves grow, the dwarves dug too greedily mm-hmm. in Moria, uh, I think is the, the line that Gandalf says or someone, yeah. um, and they awoke a Balrog. So I think we can infer that like, they dug too greedily because they were under the influence of their own rings, or that's what they were using their rings for. Doing the uh, doing the Dark Lord's work without even knowing it. 
poor guys. Yes, true. All the gold and everything that they dug up was useless because dragons devoured them. Um, And some of the seven rings were consumed in fire and some Sauron recovered. I feel like we don't talk about that. (laughs) That like Sauron has some of the dwarven rings. Yeah, I just assumed they had them. All the time, you know, they're just yeah. around. <laughs> or, yeah. Obviously so, not. It's like, so what? Oh, that's right. The whole point is he's trying to get the one ring back. Anyway, um, I forgot the plot of Lord of the Rings for a minute. It's fine. <laughs> well, it's fine. Yeah. However, men proved easier to ensnare, of course. Um, and we know what happens here. They are all corrupted and eventually turn into Nazgul. Um, Oh, this was, yeah, this is the ring. These are the rings that give them the power. I don't know if it like willingly gives them the power of invisibility, but it does make them invisible. So I wonder if that's like why when Frodo puts on the one ring, he turns invisible. Um, If it's like operating under the powers of the other rings. Uh, One by one, sooner or later, according to their native strength and to the good or evil of their wills in the beginning, they fell under the thraldom of the ring that they bore and under the domination of the one and became forever and became forever invisible save to him that wore the ruling ring and they entered into the realm of shadows. So that is how we see them pretty much depicted in in the Lord of the Rings movies is there are these cloaked figures. And then when Frodo puts on the ring, he can see them and they're like the, you know, old men, <laughs> the yeah. creepy old men. Yeah. Skeleton men guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I think Sauron is like, okay, cool. Um, I am going to put this on pause mm. and I'm going to go mess with Numenor BRB. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Good plan. Um, Oh, also, that's that's what I was going to say. Uh, during this time, a lot of the elves start taking that, you know, one-way ticket to Valinor. Um, and this is known as, it says, Thus the Black Years Began, which elves call the Days of Flight. So this is when a bunch of the elves just start hightailing it out of Middle-earth. Can't say I would blame them. Yeah. Um, because this, this war, this very, like, wrathful, evil person is you know, warring with them for years and years. So they're like, it sounds like a you problem, dwarves <laughs> and men. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Peace out. Like, have fun yeah. with that. Yeah. It's really funny because it then, like, very quickly summarizes a Kalibeth. And it's like, yeah, and then you know the story. Sauron went to Numenor and he led to their downfall and all this other stuff happened. And then even though the Valar basically just, you know, like ripped Arda in half and drowned everyone, (laughs) uh, Sauron, you know, is a spirit being and he flees to Mordor to recover. Mm -hmm. Um. So now we are officially picking up where we left off at the end of Akalabeth, where all of that doom and destruction happened. And there are a group of faithful Numenorians who were able to escape. Um, because remember, everyone, they they followed God. They listened to the one and true God, and they were saved from the <laughs> apocalypse. Wow. It just... It, it reads way too much. Like I, know, I, 
it's vastly apparent to me that Tolkien was Catholic. <laughs> yes, but also possibly anti-capitalist, you know, like the dwarves are too greedy, too much gold, you know, yes. it's not the good. It's he not has good. a lot of um, very apparent like, like morals that come through. Like I was I was a part of this live stream event a couple of weeks ago um, with Fandom Forward and we were talking about um, it was all about. surrounding like the topic of midterm elections and stuff and we are talking about climate change and like like the climate isn't really something that you're like oh Tolkien really talks that but like he really does when you (laughs) really like pay attention there are huge themes of like nature and like preserving it and everything like there are a lot of you know stances that Tolkien you know clearly were an important part of his life that he wrote into his works he was really into trees what does that say you know there's a lot of trees trees (laughs) okay yeah this so this is when it starts describing things in Middle Earth that I'm like hmm yeah, I think uh, some of this was told to me in Lord of the Rings, but I don't remember. <laughs> and I'm like, I think this is all supposed to start sounding familiar, but some of it isn't. Mm-hmm, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, who is Narion? Still don't know. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, well, I do, but just because I just He's read. unimportant. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's basically well, unimportant. Why do we care? So, it why do we care? Um, so Ellen Dill, remember Ellen, Daddy, uh, Ellen Dilf. Ellen Daddy. <laughs> as we like to say, um, goes to see, one. he becomes friends with Gilgalad. And so he's chilling with him. They're not in Eregion because that was destroyed. I don't know. They're chilling somewhere. They're hanging out. And then, oh, side note, I just remembered at some point during all of this, Elrond founded Rivendell. Ah, just like, yeah. keep that in the back of your mind. Like I- Imladris, mm-hmm. as they as they call it. Imladris. I'm always like, where do I put the emphasis on that just word? Just own it, know. and then no one will question you. That's already, so yeah, that's already happened. Basically, he, he starts going into description of getting Middle Earth to the point where it's extremely familiar to us mm-hmm. as it is in Lord of the Rings. Um, Elendil goes to, I think, the north and starts, like, founding some stuff in the kingdom of, of Anor, uh, Anor. Then the two, his two sons, Isilzer and Anarion, bring their ships up, and this is where I really needed a map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, like, bring their ships up a river. Um, I think it's, it, it's a river that's, like, right near Mordor and Gondor, because that's where Spoiler alert, they found Gondor. Mm-hmm. Um, they start um, setting things up to be, again, very familiar to us. Um, I didn't realize the import- the real importance of Osgiliath. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised that I got a shout out here, too. Because they got yeah. one of the, the pal- well, they called them stones or something. Or, uh, yeah. But they were, it was the Palantiri, right? Like. Am I wrong? Is that not what it no, was? No, yeah, you're correct. Okay, yeah. good. I was like, they kept calling them something different. Yeah, and then, the stones. Yeah, the stones. <laughs> they're like, they're spreading out these stones. And I was like, what? Like, the Silmarils Yeah, are going gone. to all these different, yeah, what geography points. About? Yeah. <laughs> um, Figured it out, though. Yeah, they, I, I was just like very, I don't know, surprised that Osgiliath had all this importance because it, this is where Anarion and Isildur set. It says their thrones were set side by side in the great hall of Osgiliath. Yeah. Um, and then when we see Osgiliath in Return of the King, very, you know, 
iconic part of the movie, Faramir going off to, to defend it again. And it's like this crumbling city. And you would have thought that like, oh, they found when they came to when Anarion and Isildur came to Middle Earth, they founded what became Minas Tirith. No, they, it was Osgiliath really it was like their like capital city. And it was like thriving. They built this bridge over the river. Um, and on one side is Minas Ithil. And on the other side is Minas Anor. Very conveniently, Isildur uh, takes Minas Ithil. And Anarion <laughs> takes Minas Anor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, they chose because of the first initials. I can remember that. Love That's that. great. Very helpful. And again, these are names that were kind of like dropped in in Lord of the Rings. And I was like, what does that mean? What's the importance of this? Wait, and were some they? people were I like, I remember that. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I remember because uh, I don't know. I, I remember being like, are these the two towers? <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of towers, um, they're also they also build Orthanc. Mm. Uh, what else? They're long story short, they're establishing a lot of things that are either name dropped or they, they're like very minor details in Lord of the Rings, like um, what is it called? Amon Hill. <laughs> is that what it's called? What's it called? Uh, Amon Sul. Uh-huh. Um, that's where uh, in Fellowship of the Ring, I think that's where Frodo at the very end, he like puts the ring on for a minute and then he takes it off and Aragorn is like, I would have followed you to Mordor. <laughs> I think that's happening, if I remember correctly, on Amon Sul. Um, so like that's a very minor detail. And then you have a very major detail like Orthanc, which is Saruman's tower. Um, so that's right. Trees. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're back to the trees, guys. They're important. We love the trees. When they came over to Middle Earth, when um, Elendil's dad was saying like, hey, I'm going to go chat with Valar. Hopefully, maybe they'll help us out of this one. But just in case, put everything that you value and would not wish to part with um, on these ships and just get ready to get ready to roll if things go south. Uh, among all of that are the Seven Stones and the white tree. Mm. Um, and this is when we get a ancestry tree of a tree. <laughs> yep. The white tree was grown from the fruit of Nimloth the fair. So this is the tree that grew in Numenor that Sauron was trying to convince Farazan to cut down and burn. And Farazan originally wasn't sure about that because there was a prophecy that says, hey, when this tree dies, so will the kingdom. So he wasn't sure about that. And in that time, Isildur snuck in and stole one of the fruits. Um, and then they they did destroy the tree. So that fruit grew. And then that tree from Numenor was made in the image of um what okay that tree was descended from the tree of Tyrion that was made in the image of Telperion. Yes. <laughs> it is a God. confusing str- I did like a, I did a TikTok about the trees and I literally had to be like wait. So it's not it's not a direct descendant. One of them was made in the image of it. It was literally just like a yeah. okay, I got to figure this out before I say things cuz I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, it's not like a direct relative, right. but um yeah, made like in honor or memory mm-hmm. of Telperion. This tree that has now made its way to Middle Earth was planted in Minas Ithil in memory of the Eldar and the Val and Valinor. 
Um, and it was, again, yeah, it was planted in the house of Isildur because, hey, he's the one who who stole the fruit and everything. Finders keepers. No. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, these stones. What's up with these <laughs> weird stones? Um, there's seven of them, and they divide them among Elendil. Uh, Elendil gets three, and then both of the sons each get two. And they are planted in... Or they 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 ha- they put the stones in Minas Ithil, Minas Anor, Orthanc. That one's I think the most major one. There's yeah. a a stone in Orthanc, um, and Osgiliath, and then Elendil puts them in like three locations that I don't know where they are. They're just north. <laughs> up up with Elendil, um, Daddy. Don't worry about yes, it. He's got this. Yes. Yeah. Thus, the Numenorians were aware of many things that their enemies wished to conceal, and little escaped their vigilance in the days of their might. Um, because they can they can see things with these stones um, pretty much like connect it when they're connected basically like a phone you know facetiming (laughs) yeah and then sometimes it's like oh is it a vision is it someone playing tricks on me i don't know and these are called uh the the palantiri i'm not gonna lie when i found out that the plural of palantir was palantiri my mind just it exploded so uh i love i love all i just thought it was a I was like, is the plural palant- of Palantir just Palantir? <laughs> that's what I, you know, that's, yeah. that would make sense to me. But, um, you know, I just, Tolkien and his, his like, words, it, like, and his languages, it's just all awesome. <laughs> Every time, you know, just, like, reading the Silmarillion, even if you can't keep track of all the names, they're all so pretty. You know, they're, it's all, it's all mm. good times. Yes, yeah. Also, just like kind of very like sad and depressing. Elendil every now and then like uses the Palantir to look out upon the sea, and he like thinks that he can see some remains of Numenor. Um, and he's like, "Oh, maybe we survived." And then the book is like, "But no, it was completely destroyed." <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, it says the yearning of exile was upon him. It is believed that thus he would at while see far away even the tower of. Avalone upon Arisea, where the master stone abode and yet abides. So that's where, like, the original one, I guess, sank and is now in the sea. All this is happening. Great. Awesome. Gondor's growing. The, you know, Numenorians, they're here. Um, it mentions several, it reminds us several times that the Numenorians are tall. Mm-hmm. They're tall. Mm-hmm. Remember? Elendil the tall, right? <laughs> yes. That's his nickname. <laughs> yes. Then. Sauron is like, okay, I've had a good nap. I'm ready to fight now. He has now become the Eye of Sauron. Remember, everyone, that technically it's not like what Peter Jackson made. It's not (laughs) supposed to be like a literal eye. But how iconic, though? Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely Um, iconic. It's it's like supposedly more, you know, metaphorical. That like he he can see all, I guess. I don't know. He can see far beyond like what he like normally could. I don't know. So yeah, he is preparing for war. Eventually he starts, uh, he's like, well, Gondor's closest. I guess I'll go to them. So he... (laughs) Charges on them and, uh, I guess, uh, takes over um, Minas Ithil, which is uh, Isildur's family's, like, side of Gondor, um, their, like, territory. And Isildur takes his wife and his kids and they flee, but not before he takes a seed from the tree. (laughs) We've got another... (laughs) 
tree. And it's a good thing because Sauron chops it down and destroys it because I'm sure he... I'm sure he shows up, you know, they're they're probably like long gone by this point. And he shows up and he sees the tree and he's like, I thought I got rid of you. <laughs> oh, my God. And so he like destroys it again. But yeah, Isildur, which like really surprised me because I thought this tree that made its way over to Middle Earth that they like replanted. I was like, OK, now this is going to be the tree of Gondor, Not right? Yet. Not yet. And then he destroyed it. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? How many times are we going to replant the same what's, tree? What's the like? I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. But isn't there like a phrase from like Scooby-Doo that's like these meddling humans and yeah, their... Yeah, enough of you. Yeah, yeah, meddling kids and your dumb dog. Yeah, it's yeah. basically like enough of you meddling humans and your dumb trees. <laughs> like that's yes. Sauron, basically. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. He's just like so unnecessarily... <laughs> and see, this is, again, this is why like uh, Tolkien has like unknowingly created a great narrative about like climate change and like protecting nature is that you have this force of evil who is just really mad at trees <laughs> and he's destroying them left and right Hate trees <laughs> deforestation yeah no, yes. Tolkien, Tolkien is, he's got some points to be made that he's making he's like, this is how this is how you really know he's evil he hates trees <laughs> exactly Isildur and his family and the seed go running off to daddy um, and seek refuge with him and completely like <laughs> abandons his brother Anarion and is like, he's fine. Okay. Defend <laughs> us. Gilead. Bye. Peace Good luck out. with that. Have fun. <laughs> now they are, they're like, okay, now Sauron is openly warring with everyone again. Let's go meet him. Let's do this. So they form a league which is called the last alliance Mm -hmm. very epic also like ironically is not going to be the last alliance like there's (laughs) true like maybe of this size and nature but like they still got a there's a couple more iterations of an army that need to fight sauron before he's really going to be defeated fully done Yes. Yeah. And they gather up like all the elves and men that are there. They stop in Im- Imladris and are very like, I think they're very surprised to see that like, oh, things are like flourishing here. You guys are like living a great life. Like there's a lot of you here. I thought all of the elves had run off. Like, okay, I think we've got a pretty good army to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can, we, we stand a fair chance. They march towards Mordor and this is, you know, the battle that we see in the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, it gets another dig, like we were talking about, it kind of gets a little dig at the dwarves. It says, like, some of every kind, even of beasts and birds, were found in either host, save the elves only, first of all. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, the elves, we were only the good guys. And then it says, of the dwarves, few fought upon either side. They just didn't show up. Seriously? <laughs> um, it does mention, however, that um, Durin's Ken um, did come and fight against Sauron. So like the, the, import- the most important dwarves mm-hmm. did show up. So that's cool. But it does say few dwarves fought. <laughs> Just got to call him out like that. Gosh, Way to call him out. I do love, though, that that gives me hope for the Rings of Power show. You know, like the that all the dwarves that we're growing to love now, we're going to get to see them in fights, in battles, you know. It's 
it's very tragic though because like we know we know so much about like okay well obviously none of you guys are gonna live and like as amazing as it is to see all those scenes of Kaza Doom like in its prime and yeah. there's so much life around it we know Ooh. what happened i know it's sad it's sad <laughs> but it's you know it's fun it's it, honestly oh. this chapter was so good for me to read specifically because it was just like oh my gosh i'm this these are things that i know about not just because i read them in the silverillion right i've got like semi reference yeah. points from the show and the books and the, uh, yeah. And the movie yeah and the movie mm-hmm. that it's like okay this is a. Uh, it's all very somewhat familiar, at least. Yeah. Um, I I've just feel like Kronk uh, in the Emperor's New Groove going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> I love that movie. Like, the dots are connecting. <laughs> yep. Like, finally, after three years, we're, the dots are connecting we're for here. me. Yeah, so they have a huge battle. Everyone who's anyone is there, except for the dwarves. Except for a lot of the dwarves. And um, no, Durin's, Durin's kin are there. They're cool. And they fight for seven years. I didn't know this, um, that they are... Let me see. Yeah, Gilgalad and Elendil passed into Mordor and encompassed the stronghold of Sauron. And they laid siege to it for seven years. Dang. That's I mean, like, that's pure siege. dedication. <laughs> yeah. We got to get rid of this guy. And then they don't even fully get rid of this guy. I know, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, it's also so, I think it's super interesting. Hang on, let me skim down and make sure before I say something, make sure I'm not going to be completely wrong. Okay. Um, it's just really interesting that Gilgalad here seems to be replaced in the movies by Elrond because we see a lot of like Elrond's point uh, perspective of this battle mm-hmm. and like retelling of it um and then it's like Gilgalad who yeah, literally <laughs> what? yeah who it, he's not there Gilgalad and uh Elendil right were the big like guys but then you instead hear mainly about Elrond and Isildur or at least it was yeah. like it felt like it was from Elrond's POV almost kind of for you know because yeah. he'd like sh- pan to him and all anyways and matter. I thought and I thought we were going to see some like mentions of Elrond here because it does mention that they go to Rivendell which is like what he founded but it doesn't really mention hit much of him fighting I'm sure he is here um he's just like not as key of a player as we see him in the movie which like makes sense that if you're going to you know there's so many characters that you have to like condense some of them down if like Gilgalad has nothing to do with <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Right. So, so of course, like, we're not really going to see him much. I think I have seen people, uh, like, like the Lord of the Ring, like, wiki pages. If you go to, like, Gilgalad, it'll be, like, a blurry, zoomed-in image of, like, him, <laughs> him, like, in the prologue. Yeah, they're like, I think that's supposed to be Gilgalad. he has, like, a sick, like, spear, right? That's his yeah, weapon. And so, so yeah. I'm sure if they saw somebody with a really cool spear, they were like, that's it. That's him. Huge battle. Lasts for seven years. And then things happen that we have heard of before. Actually, before I get there, um, Anarion was killed. I don't think they ever talk about I don't think they ever mentioned that in Lord of the Rings or anything. Um, Anarion is lost in this battle. And then we start getting to the stuff that we've heard before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Where Elendil is killed. Gilgalad is also killed. And the sword of Elendil broke under him as he fell. And Sauron, like in this, you know, fight that they were having, he falls down to for a minute. 
and Isildur grabs a broken piece of Narsil, mm-hmm. the sword um, of Elendil, and he uses it to, it just says, cutting the ruling ring from the hand of Sauron and took it for his own. So I imagine he, I guess he cut his finger off. Um, I guess you can't cut metal that can only be destroyed in the fires of Mount Doom. I guess you can't cut it, but it also just says cut the ruling ring from the hand of Sauron. Um, So he's, I guess, just running around with a severed finger (laughs) and a (laughs) ring. Gross. (laughs) Um, And he took it for his own. And Sauron for that time was vanquished and he forsook his body and his spirit fled far away and hid in waste places. And he took no visible shape again for many long years. And the end, nothing else ever happens. Nope, that's it. (laughs) It's a happy ending. That is where we are going to leave this week's episode, though. And next week, we will be back to, oh my gosh, I wonder what's going to (laughs) happen. A mystery. (laughs) I I no clue. Um, I am, although I will say I am interested to see like how far um, this section goes into the future and like how much it's going to, if it's even going to say like, and then some hobbits came along and, you know, um, so I'm like, how far are we going to go? And is it just going to get to a point where it just like flows right into the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring? <laughs> and then I just start the the <laughs> podcast all over again. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. I did like the end, though, this of the Silmarillion. I found it I'm a like, pleasant I'm looking, read. Yeah, I'm looking forward, like, in more ways than one. I'm looking forward <laughs> to the end of this. <laughs> but it's kind of nice to be finishing this out on a story that I'm already familiar with. Yeah, um, interesting how we don't know much about the Rings of Power still. <laughs> just kind of glosses over just some really of it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's one of those things. What do they call them? A soft magic system where, you yes, know, things yeah. just happen. And that's it really is. what happened. <laughs> oh, and all, like also really worth mentioning that... Um, there's like a very I think the paragraph describing the the geography of Middle Earth when Elendil and Isildur and Anarion when they come and they start founding things and then describing like the tree I think that section is longer than the entire like Battle of the Last Alliance <laughs> yeah, like he right. really did it in like three paragraphs like this huge epic battle and Tolkien's like yeah and then they battled for seven years and then eventually <laughs> Gilgalad and Elendil died and then Sauron was defeated for that time you know if it were me and I was like uh you know somebody who was trying to tell somebody what happened in Middle Earth that's probably what I would do <laughs> so you know as I said not a battles girly so just kind of say what happened we don't need the details then we could just move yeah. on though i might have appreciated some more details about how the rings about the work. rings of power especially <laughs> since that's the name of this yeah. chapter yeah. i gotta i gotta use a little more detail there well critter thank you so much for joining me it was a pleasure uh discussing this um 
interesting piece of Tolkien with you. <laughs> well, thank you for Where can me. people find you on the internet? Oh my gosh, I'm all over the place. But uh, I do TikToks. I'm CritterXD on TikTok. I do Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, a bunch of sci-fi fantasy stuff. I have a YouTube channel um, where I do similar things, reaction videos, interviews, uh, what have you. I'm Egwene Alvere on Twitter as well as myself. So I've got an in-character account uh, that's Wheel of Time focused. Also on Instagram, I have a Discord. Like, if you just like type in Critter XD, that's Critter with a K, you'll find me. Awesome. And listeners, um, for a- anyone who has ever suggested to me that I do Wheel of Time next, oh. um, I am going to instead direct you to <laughs> Critter XD's content. <laughs> just well, go check out her that. stuff. Um, I will not ever be doing Wheel of Time. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it just seems like a lot. It is a, same with like Game lot. of Thrones. Uh, those are those are the two that I and I know I know I the the whole joke of me doing the Silmarillion is that I always said I was never going to do the Silmarillion. So I guess like never say never, but <laughs> I'm like ninety nine percent sure that I won't do Wheel of Time and I won't do Game of Thrones. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. Hey, the holidays are coming up. I think it's the perfect time to gift that Tolkien nerd in your life a That's What I'm Talking About t-shirt or perhaps a sticker or sweatshirt. Even if they're not a listener of the podcast, That's What I'm Talking About is a pun that everyone can appreciate. You can follow the podcast on social media at Tolkien About Pod. You can find me on Twitter and TikTok at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash pod. Take a gander at the different levels of support. I appreciate patrons of all levels, but especially our sponsors each week like Irina. Irina, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. You're a wonderful person. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Hard stop. You're a wonderful person. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Just, you know, if you're struggling with the Silmarillion, it, it's it's a good thing to have read, even though it is really hard. And don't feel bad, because it is really hard. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>